Hello, and welcome to Writer's Group Therapy. I'm Tom. And I'm Roshni. We're writers helping writers with whatever writing ailments you might have. Whether it's related to your craft or your career, we can help. Are you ready for your session? The The doctors doctors are are in. in. Roshni. Tom, how are you? I'm great. I'm uh, digging into the pilot season data and it's it's so interesting. Pilot Not that I watch season TV. <laughs> has been pretty bizarre this year. I think Upfronts just happened. Not a lot of pilots were ordered. It seems like a lot of things were cut and yet there's also articles coming out saying that even though there's been a ton of cancellations, they actually haven't cut as much as you think they've cut. So let's dig in. Right. Yeah. No, uh, I read that just just this afternoon. I was reading uh, The Hollywood Reporter has been doing a lot of reporting on it, uh, that um, the TV networks have made fewer shows. So the number of cancellations dropping is kind of proportional in some cases, mm-hmm. but it's still drastically different. You know, like, they used to historically, like, you know, in the last decade or so before the pandemic, broadcasters made like 105 scripted shows a year on average. Mm-hmm. You know, the main broadcasters, the four or five networks, whatever it was. Uh, this season and last season were about 86, 87, respectively. So that's, you know, 20% right there. So mm-hmm. there's 20% fewer shows being made, scripted shows anyway. And one, t- one interesting fact is that um, ABC this year, uh, canceled the same number of scripted shows. Uh, actually, no, four years ago, ABC, ABC canceled the, the same number of scripted shows that they actually showed this year. So they were canceling as many shows as they're actually making now. That's how different things have gotten. So it's basically a wash, really, for them. No, well, it's just, you know, it's it's just they have so fewer shows that it's, it's, uh, it's you know, kind of weird. You know, they're it's kind of like if you're a long running show, you're like golden right now. Like they look at you like, like the golden goose. I mean, most of the shows that were renewed are like in double digit years, like some are in their twenties yeah. and Simpsons is like 34. Oh, Simpsons has to be way older than that. No, that's what it is. It's Season really 34. only 34 years old. I mean, old, a lot of years. only 34, but you know what I mean? It's old enough to have a kid in high school. <laughs> I don't know. Oh my god! Bart is not in high school. That would be so funny. (laughs) The Simpsons have a kid in high school. That's like the cousin show or whatever. But anyway, carry on. You were saying Maggie. Maggie could be in high school. Yeah. No, she's she's been a baby this whole time. My goodness, what's yeah? That's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Hope she doesn't need baby formula. That's a whole other story, right? Yeah. So yeah. So if you're a procedural, you know, that can like you know renew their cast with fresh faces all the time, so you don't get too expensive. They just keep plugging you in and plugging you in because broadcast networks on their broadcast side are basically still programming for syndication, right? They want to program uh, enough episodes, you know, the four year package at least so that they can then syndicate it to, you know, broadcast networks and local stations. And does anyone still watch local stations? And, you know, and internationally as well. Yeah. That side of their business is, is, is kind of hunkering down on, existing shows um although this season there were you know um quite a quite a few cancellations but but fewer pilots were ordered so they are sticking with the older shows and then they're ordering fewer they're they're down anywhere from 10 to 20 percent on the ordering side 
uh, for new shows, mm-hmm. which, you know, obviously affects us writers. It, I don't think it, I don't think the number of TV shows being made is down because if you look at the streamers and all the other outlets now, there's hundreds and hundreds of shows being made all the time. So that's, that's kind of a separate discussion. But if you want to get into broadcast, that's getting to be a smaller and smaller, you know, audience, uh, not audience, but pool of shows that you could actually get staffed on or, you know, or sell a script to, or, you know, or get a pilot made because they're just not as many if you're, if you're going to broadcast. But I mean, how many times have you talked to our friends who are writers who are always, whenever they're pitching you a show, it's like, I'm doing this for this streaming thing or that streaming thing or this cable network. Like mm-hmm. Everyone's kind of like targeting their stuff to specific audiences because they know that trying to get into a network these days is really tricky. Well, I think there's a couple reasons for why we're seeing what we're seeing. So first of all, filming has resumed. I mean, for all intents and purposes, the pandemic is, quote, over, even though it's not really over, but the world is kind of treating it like such. So we're getting back to normalcy. However, a lot of shows that you see, well, actually pretty much every show you'd see on TV is a SAG project. So they're still following COVID protocol, which is expensive and it's lengthy and it's it takes a lot of time. So I'm sure they want to just keep going with what they have existing versus like spending the money and the time and the effort on something new that could tank. And you've got that extra layer of COVID protocol. So there's that. I think also as the world is reopening, you also have to think that people, I mean, everyone's going back to the bars and going to restaurants and, you know, whatever outside, they're not going to spend, we've spent two years in front of the TV, you know? Right. So you might as well give them, yeah, instead of trying to hook them with something new, just give them same old, same old. You're not really losing anything by going with a sure bet. We've also, I mean, in the last couple of weeks, we've seen a lot of stuff happening with streamers like Netflix was freaking imploding. You know, they're going through a lot of changes right now and they're one of the biggest. So, you know, that's got to shake out and see what's happening. I think reality right now is probably still easier to shoot, you know, because it's non-union and it's just easier to film than a scripted show. So you've got that issue as well. So I think there's a lot of things that play into it. Right. The Netflix thing, I don't think is such a, as big an issue as people make it out to, because um, if you look at the stats, Netflix is, while they might be shrinking in the U.S., they're still growing all over the, the planet. I mean, they have over 200 million subscribers worldwide, which you can't even get to as a broadcast network, you know, just in the, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Broadcast networks, that's why they're into syndication. It's because they they get their shows out internationally through distributors you know, that do the you know international packaging and, you know, the, the localizations and stuff. So that, I think Netflix, you know, is going to see their growth internationally. They may, maybe they've kind of peaked in the U S but then, you know, they've got revenue plans for the whole advertising package, you know, doing their, their, their package that, you know, is not ad free. And then um, cracking down on the passwords, you know, that's a lot of money that they have that flies away when they, people share passwords. Yeah, I think I think, you know, Netflix, you know, is not part of the pilot season, really. So it's not really an issue for this. But but, you know, the networks are competing with that is the problem. Yes. And while the streamers and cable, you know, they're generally programming for their own catalog. 
they you know they don't syndicate really you know some of hbo syndicated like the sopranos and they did some home dvd stuff and blu-ray for some of their shows like stranger things but you know they're they're kind of building catalogs so when you and 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 this is what you know is great about for the networks is the networks have a huge catalog in the back as well so when they launch their streamer they have a catalog too but all of that just when on a world level is think about it this way if you never had a streaming streaming before and you were living in a foreign country and you didn't have you know you had limited access to whatever american shows and stuff and selling netflix is available in your country or you know HBO Max or you know Peacock. Now that it's not a broadcasting, it's a streaming thing. You suddenly have access to decades and decades worth of content. It's kind of overwhelming when you think about it. And then the the studios and networks are are constantly making more. So if you were in a country that just get is just getting Netflix now, you have a decade of content that you haven't even seen yet that's like dropped in your lap. So it's it's interesting. It's a different problem on the consumption side than it is on the production side. Talk about fatigue, though. Oh, my gosh. If you dropped like I haven't gone through the entire Netflix catalog, like I'm not, you know, who oh, yeah. has time for that? <laughs> I mean, just take for one show, for example, like Ozark. I watched the pilot episode of Ozark. Fantastic show. Mm-hmm. I have not had time to sit down and continue to watch the four seasons of it that have just recently ended. So at some point, I have four seasons of a show I haven't even started to watch. I can say the same thing about Better Call Saul. You know, mm-hmm. these are like award-winning shows. And that's just, you know, 40 or 50 hours of, you know, television for each of them. Yet on top of that, there's hundreds of new things being produced all the time. So it is kind of an overload. The international market, that's where the streamer, you know, that's where Netflix has kind of a head start. But the streamers can pick up and catch up really quickly. Because and not the streamers, the broadcast networks, and they have a huge back catalog of their own to work with for that. It makes me wonder why they, at some point we should just say, stop making new stuff. <laughs> not that I want them to, because that would be the end of our careers. You know, literally, if they stop, you know, people talked about how, oh, there's nothing new to watch during the pandemic. It's like, I don't think people really watched everything. I think it'd be impossible. But, you know, you you bring up an interesting point. So going back a little bit here in this conversation. So, yes, there is a lot of content and back content that you can watch. But here is where the streaming model, first of first of all, the whole streaming model of binge watching versus Mm -hmm. the weekly release, like on a broadcast Mm -hmm. network, but also the quantity over quality mentality, because what was the biggest thing that helped people find new shows was word of mouth, water cooler talk, mm-hmm. right? You talk about it with your friends. You talk about it with your coworkers. That's what got you to watch shows. And everyone would be like, hey, did you see Survivor on this channel? Did everybody watch, you know, I don't know, whatever, uh, Game Lost of Thrones or, or Lost or whatever, yeah. you know, I, I, Game of Thrones Walking is probably Dead, not yeah. the best example because it's HBO, but you know what I'm saying? So like, well, even mm-hmm. that's AMC, but you know what I'm saying? As far as like the broadcast ones, you had a limited amount to choose from. and so chances were good one in five you would know what people were talking about and you could catch mm-hmm. up with it and and follow it enough that you could catch up with the water cooler talk the following week so the problem is it's not even like the pandemic and we've all been away from each other or whatever it's just 
there's so much, and we've talked about this before, there's so much content all over the place. You can't have water cooler talk because I might not have Amazon Prime and you might not have Apple TV. And there's good shows on all of them, but I'm not buying five different services just to watch what, you know, all my friends are watching. It's Mm -hmm. just not going to happen. Yeah, it used to be the age of, um, you know, 40 or 50 million people would watch Cheers to get, you know, and everyone would talk about the episode the next day. That doesn't happen anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know anyone I can talk to about some of the shows I watch because I watch I watch Korean science fiction. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to see that or anime? You know, I mean, yeah, there yeah. are people who watch those things, but it's it's tricky. You know, it's it's definitely it. It's harder to. It's also harder to make like pop culture references when I don't watch a lot of broadcast as much as I like I used to. Mm-hmm. I'm actually on the cusp of probably getting Hulu again to catch up on a few shows that were on Hulu that I haven't seen in a while. But I've been watching Paramount Plus, which is um, includes a lot of CBS stuff, mm-hmm. and so there's stuff on there that I'm catching up on, and all the Star Trek shows. So yeah, there's certain cultural things in some of these areas that yeah, you can connect with people on, but you are right. There are so many things out there to watch. You know, it makes me wonder if this pilot season makes sense anymore. Because, you know, the whole idea of pilot season was here's all our great shows that everyone's going to watch, right? Mm-hmm. And that's and they would sh- and the upfronts, which is what they just are just having right now where they show that to the advertisers and they say, "Okay, how much are you going to give us to advertise on these shows?" Well, I got to think the advertisers are going to be a little scratching their heads going, well, how can you guarantee, you know, the audience that you used to when, you know, it's not even just streaming, but before that DVRs were, you know, viewing has been growing over the years. Mm -hmm. So people were watching, you know, with DVRs where they might be able to skip the commercials even. So I feel like that whole business model is, it's, I don't want to say it's like the Titanic sinking, but, you know, I think in the last five years I read, um, that uh, cord cutting has grown like uh, like of of the seventy six percent of American homes that had cable or satellite. Now it's down to like fifty six percent. So and now with things and it's actually kind of ironically going backwards net, with Netflix saying they're going to launch an ad based service. Maybe there's a little bit of clawing back going on there. And with the streaming services, it's easier to to you know to digitally count your viewers. So I kind of like making the devil's advocate argument of my own discussion right there (laughs) i mean i was gonna say too though um we haven't had a pilot season quote-unquote traditional pilot season in years because it Mm -hmm. used to be you know pilots would get picked up like uh winter early january and then they would film them and then they would release them in the spring and then you know they would in theory, go to announce them in the spring. Yeah. And then in theory, they would go to um, production. Well, they would already be in production, but then they would air like, you know, in the fall or whatever, or the following winter. And we haven't had that in a long time because of streaming, you know, things are getting filmed all the time. So that was already happening. And then the pandemic happened and it's like, we really don't, you know, if, if it wasn't for those articles, I was like, we have a pilot season. You know, I, I had no clue, you know, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and similarly with the viewing habits, um, like we talked about Netflix and binge watching, most of the, most of the, um, new streamers like, um, Disney plus, um, and Paramount plus, they are sticking to the week by week release schedule. 
Mm-hmm. Like, uh, so they want you to come back, you know, every week. So even though the series run is maybe six, eight, 10, 12 at the most episodes, they're going to lock you in for at least two to three months, four months, maybe. And then hopefully they'll have another show to keep you subscribing after that. Mm-hmm. So, so that's the year round programming that the streamers are doing. Now, Netflix was doing it by releasing new shows constantly. You know, they were dropping all the episodes, but then they'd have new shows. Mm-hmm. But that's that becomes a little, you know, right now you can see with their their numbers is kind of hard to keep up with. And they canceled a bunch of shows. Actually, Netflix is actually canceling more shows yeah. than they usually do. The model is a bit unsustainable. The binge, the blah, I cannot speak. The binge model is a bit unsustainable, I think, just because not even from a standpoint of, you know, oh, we lost subscribers because they only bought it for like the one show and binged it in a week and they're done. But think of how much content. If if you do a once a week model, in theory, maybe you need 20 shows, right, for the season. But if you're doing mm-hmm. like binge content, it's like double, triple that. You need like 52, like one a week, yeah. basically. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's just it's it's unsustainable, I think, for the for quality also quality purposes and that you don't burn everybody out. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yes. And if you have to grind like that show after show, yeah, it can get a, be, be a bit of a grind, almost like a chore. Like, I feel like my queue on Netflix is like, well, they used to have a queue. They, it's just kind of like my list now is what they call it. And it's not a list. It's kind of a row and it just kind of scrolls endlessly left to right. So maybe that's supposed to take off some of the pressure that you have this really long list of things you haven't watched. Because I always felt like the long list on on the on the website made me feel like I was like, I'm never going to watch all this stuff, which I still feel, but it's less prevalent in my mind because it's, it's shown differently on screen. Mm. So, yeah. So the pilot season is, is happening, but I feel like it's an ex, I don't want to say an exercise in futility, but I feel like in a, in in a few more years, we're going to, it's going to kind of like trickle away until it's just um, because of each network having their own streamer, it's going to kind of, be like uh uh it's gonna trickle away until it's kind of just a year-round kind of thing where they're just always announcing new shows yeah yeah which to me is i mean not to be like back in the old day but like it was kind of fun to know that there was a bunch of new shows in the fall that you could watch and it was kind Mm -hmm. of nice to know that they had an end date you know and like in the summertime you could watch reruns or do whatever you want you know it was kind of Mm -hmm. nice to have that routine and that's gonna go away because yeah do you remember cartoon pilot season was there a cartoon pilot season it's kind of i don't call it i mean it for from a viewer standpoint there was a part of there was a point of the year and i don't know what time how the seasons worked on that at which the the networks came out with their their slate of cartoons for the next season and they would have like a preview show that i always watched you know it was usually a saturday morning kind of thing and they would show you clips from all the new cartoons that were going to be out and it was like oh my god because i used to plan my saturday mornings based on the cartoons and sunday mornings you know and it was literally like they were stacked up for four or five hours you know uh, from eight in the morning till noon basically i do not remember this and it was every network and it was all the you know at least the three major networks you know wow abc nbc cbs yeah oh i would have totally watched that too i don't remember this yeah it was cool oh my word they don't do they haven't done that in a long time i do 
I do remember in the fall. So I remembered it always seemed to me like they would debut the heavy hitting, like we know that these shows are going to go the distance in the fall. And then like they would have soft releases of shows that they weren't quite sure about in January. Yeah, that's the mid-season, they call mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And they're usually shorter seasons, like a half a season. And they often call them mid-season replacements because sometimes they're putting them in in a slot where another show was canceled mm-hmm. because it didn't perform well. Yeah. Or or it's just during a break, you know. Yeah. It might be like during a break. And then, and then when the break's over, they move it to like Friday nights or something, you know. Yeah. But I do remember the fall was always supposed to be like, these are the ones that we are really, really confident about. Those were the the shows that they would put in there. It was always a really big badge of honor if you were you started as a mid season replacement or a mid season you know premiere, and then got picked up and continued. And that the biggest yeah. one I remember was the X the X Files. Was that a mid season replacement? Mm-hmm. Oh, I yeah, know that. I think it, yeah, yeah. So uh, I think the first season was like thirteen episodes. I'd have oh to double gosh. check that, but. Yeah. I never I never so, watched it. Like I caught a couple episodes here and there, but I wasn't like a huge follower of it. So that's why I wouldn't know. What do you know what show it was replacing? Uh I don't know. It might just have been a mid season show, not necessarily mm-hmm. replacing something. Okay. So. Wow, that's crazy. So what do you think besides uh we'll have a pilot well, I guess that that would be no pilot season, but like what else do you think trend wise will be happening? I think what we're going to see is, um, I don't know. <laughs> it's such a mess. <laughs> I think that, I, I think that, you know, the streaming, the streamers are going to become are, and are becoming the predominant um, viewing method. Mm-hmm. And it'll, cause it's going to allow the broadcast networks to have a wider audience. And, and also to hopefully pick up, you know, some of the younger audience that, that has kind of up till now skewed away from uh, broadcast TV for streaming, you know, entertainment. Mm-hmm. So that's a chance there. I don't know if it's going to change uh, the content so much because I think broadcast is still going to want to keep the same, you know, kind of standard of audience that they have. Although I have to be honest with you. I was watching Star Trek Picard on the Paramount Plus Network. They drop F-bombs on Star Trek. I kid you not. Well, and I think I, you can get really, away with a lot more on streaming. Yeah, but still, it's Star Trek. They, <laughs> they, they, they never even did that in the movies for Star Trek. But here we are. They're dropping, you know, F-bombs and, and other stuff in a, in, a cable, in a streaming show that has traditionally, you know, skewed, you know, family-oriented. Family. Yeah. They're like, they're like, Captain's Log. Beep! <laughs> yeah. Those bleeping Klingons. <laughs> So that you know, so you might see some differences in the kind of programming. Mm-hmm. It it could be a, a liberating thing for the broadcast networks if those shows, if the shows on the streaming platform are generally just for the streaming platform, or if they have to bleep them or edit them for the the broadcast. You know, the broadcast. Yeah. yeah. You know, we haven't seen seen how that's going to pan out yet because so far, you know, I haven't seen what's on peacock and and what have you uh hbo was kind of the biggest one but they're already a cable network and then a and having a streaming network it doesn't really matter to them hulu was kind of the big place where this 
the broadcast networks dump their shows digitally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's all changed since Disney bought Fox and and ABC. You know, uh, I don't know if NBC is going to get out of Hulu now or not. But you know, we'll have to see what happens with that. I don't know. It's 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 a it's a crazy wild world out there. I, I actually um, there's a I'm gonna I'm gonna try to contact this writer I follow on TikTok who who was talking about how we've talked about before how writers have a difficult time booking these you know streaming shows for you know six or tw- ten episodes or whatever it is and then going to try to find another job that doesn't conflict with it um, because I think it's it's gonna get really hard. The one thing about pilot season that was so great was it gave you a standard schedule and you know and you knew when you got a network show you're going to work for 22 or 26 episodes i was i was going to say i feel like that would be the biggest change with how things are going is the staffing uncertainty as far as the timing kind of makes me wonder if the spec script which has sort of fallen out of vogue in the last couple years might rise again because if you can sell if you can freelance for a bunch of different shows then you have more schedule flexibility, correct? Wow. So, yeah, I mean, if you're an established TV writer, but you're not on one show, maybe you could pull that off. Yeah, yeah you know, and I think also it's going to force people. So we've had this discussion before, you know, years ago about the difference in um, American TV versus like maybe British TV, where British TV, they write for the whole season. American TV, they would write it Maybe they write a few episodes, but then it was like week by week by week because they never really knew what was happening. But because of streaming, now it's a more contained thing. It's like writing a film, right? You know, the the beginning, middle Mm -hmm. and end. So writers are definitely going to have to be more in tune with that. They can't just that's the only issue with the Mm -hmm. spec script, right? You need to know where you're going and be able to slot it in the whole thing. But it's going to be it's going to be interesting. You know, I think it's definitely going to screw with scheduling. Yeah, the question there is the whole, you know, serialized versus procedural. It's mostly it's mostly serialized on cable networks. It's it, there's not a whole lot of procedurals on cable. So, with the blending of broadcast and streaming, is it are we going to see, you know, besides just reruns, are we going to see more procedural type shows on streamers? You know, original you know that you, original procedurals. You bring that up and I'm like you're right. Like all of those like CSI and Mm-hmm. Law and Order, Major, yeah, those are all broadcast. Even the Star Trek shows, uh, the Star Trek Picard shows are very serialized. They're one yeah. story for ten episodes. Yeah. Although the new, the newest one, Strange New Worlds, this new prequel Star Trek show, is kind of you know Planet of the Week kind of thing. So it is mm-hmm. kind of procedural. It's a little different. Mm. I mean, there's some character arcs that are longer, but it, it is actually, it is kind of one of the more uh, week by week shows that's, uh, you know, you could tune into one episode and not be lost. But I mean, it's such an interesting point because streaming doesn't lend itself to, like, why would you want to binge a procedural that has really no story arc? I mean, I'm not saying right. that like CSI and all that don't have a story arc, but it's very light compared to some sitcom or something where you know mm-hmm. the characters are going to go, because that's not the point of a procedural, you know? Right. And the point of syndication and procedurals in general is you can turn it on any day of the week and watch an episode, and you don't have to worry about what season yeah. it is or what episode it you is. You can just slot you know yourself the characters in. Are, you know what's You know this. Yeah. You just yeah. sort of see what's the mystery of the week kind of thing. Oh, that's interesting. I never thought about that. But now that you bring yeah. it up, that's a really good point. 
Huh. And if they're if the if the broadcast networks do create procedurals for streamers, is that is that a good thing or not? Can a can a procedural work there? Yes, you could release it week by week, but once it's up there, it's up there. You know, then you've got a whole series of every episode is the same formula. You know, people could still go through it, but it's like with a with a serialized show, you're drawn through it. It's kind of like, okay, I have mm-hmm. to watch the next episode if I want to know what happens. So that's why you binge it, and that's why you you watch the whole season because you want to know what the story is when yeah. how it ends. But with the procedural, you can pick it up and put it down any time of the day. And I don't know if that would work as well on streaming. I mean, I guess the only thing, and it's obviously not the same, but that fits that format of procedural would be reality shows, like a cooking competition or something where, like, Mm -hmm. there's really no through line. You just watch it because it's fun, you know. But even then, those have, like, you know, they're done in six, Mm -hmm. 10, 12 episodes. Yeah, I mean, like, now that I think about it, I wouldn't want to watch, I wouldn't want to pay for a streaming service just to watch a show that never ends unless there's something else compelling. Like, I don't need to tune in every week to know who who died and who done it. That doesn't matter to me. And if you're not going to develop the characters very thoroughly, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a really good point. Huh. That, that gives me a good point to end on. Sure. And that's, at least with streaming networks... When you're doing your whole season, you know you're not going to get canceled in the middle of the season. <laughs> that's true, because you got to finish yeah. the story. Yeah, you got to finish the season. So that's a plus side, I think, in the streaming world. The one, oh, the one other thing I wanted to ask you, and let me know what you think about this. Oh is, yeah, sure. Do you think writers are going to become kind of like they were back in the golden days of silver screen, whatever? Where the writers were hired by the studios, and they just went from you know they went from movie to movie to movie then. Do you think they're going to be like, okay, we've got this, you know, staff of writers on one show. Well, why don't we just use them on other shows instead of staffing each show separately? You You mean like like the studio system where they had like their own stable of writers and actors and directors? Yeah, I it would be easier for everybody if they did. But then you might not be the right writer for all the shows. You know, Okay, here's my thought on that. It would be lovely. I mean, for the people who get, you know, hired to be in that stable. I think the reason, though, that they won't do it anymore, like the golden age of Hollywood, and you're already seeing it in the, I mean, the music industry has been like this for years. In fact, the music industry probably did it even before Hollywood did. People don't want to take a risk on something unknown. And the whole point of having a stable of actors, directors, and writers like it was in the golden age of Hollywood or like it was, you know, in the music industry back in the like 70s, 80s, 90s is artist development. But that's a long time to break somebody. You know, you might, you could get the next Spielberg or you could get a total dud. You don't know. (laughs) And that's a lot of time and money that you're spending to see if they will be the next Spielberg, right? Can your studio afford Mm -hmm. that? So I think... In a way, it would make sense, but they would only do it if you had a proven track record. They're not going to develop new talent because it's too costly. And right now, especially with the pandemic, no one's going to want to spend that kind of money. That would be my thought on it. Yeah. What do you think? I don't know. What do you think out there? (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah what do you guys think about pilot season anything anything particularly looking pretty exciting or um does it is it scary or is it exciting let us know um do uh you know follow us on social at uh, wg therapy on twitter and instagram and uh, writersgrouptherapy.com and uh good luck uh, sorting out your watch your, your viewing schedule in the next <laughs> year or so 